Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. It is my honor and distinct pleasure and privilege to introduce you to somebody who is really interesting. I admire this guy as a mentor, also value his friendship. But in addition to all that, this is someone that I have actually learned so much from in terms of how to run a great business. So John DeJulius is his name. And it's hard for me to refer anyone else in the customer service or customer experience space. It's like, this is the man that I learned it from, that I follow. He's written all the books on the subject, several books, um, customer service, customer experience, secret service, what's the secret, customer service revol- revolution. He hosts every year the customer service revolution conference. I've spoken there twice. AJ has spoken there. And John is just an amazing guy who has totally dominated a vertical, is a real expert And I asked him to just come and share the true story of how he built his personal brand in such a dedicated, consistent way. And uh, so here he is, John DeJulius. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Roy. It is such an honor to be here. And the best and only piece I care about in that introduction is that our friendship, that, that means the world to me. Yeah, I, you really do live that, you know, brother and, and the relationships and, and I've always admired that about you and, and, and I've looked up to you and I think, you know, when I think about your business, you're a great example of one of the things that we talk about Brand Builders Group. It's just, you know, breaking through the wall by becoming known for one thing. And in your space, it's just like you're one of only a few people really that are even at that top tier, top caliber. Tell us a little bit about how you got started. So tell us about spas and then tell us like, how did you, how did you move into where you were teaching customer service? Yeah. You know, all on accident. I wish I could tell you I had this great plan and um, you know, I like sharing this even with kids, you know, kids being, you know, college age, just cause you know, I feel like the kids of today have so much pressure on them to figure out what they have to be. And I think it's crazy for a 21 year old to, know what he wants to do for the next, uh, you know, 50 years. And, and so uh, when I graduated from college, first I was a horrible student all the way through, flunked out of college, but eventually went back and finished. I uh, was working at UPS and I was driving a truck and only because it was a significantly better pay than anything I can get. 
back in the late 80s, I was making $45,000 as a driver, which might as well been a million dollars to me. And coming out with the marketing degree, it was like 18 to 22,000. So my plan was, you know, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur and I was going to own my own business. So I wanted to put as much way as I can for the next five years as a UPS driver, then quit and open my, and I couldn't think of anything, what that would look like. There was only two things I was passionate about, owning my own business and sports. And so the only thing I could put two and two together was I was going to open a sporting goods store. Like that's really, you know, the only, you know, logic I can come up with and and thank God I didn't end up doing that. But meet my future wife, we get married. She's this fantastic hairdresser. And the challenge, you know, in the late eighties, early nineties was the hair salons and, 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 and hairdressers weren't thought of as a professional place. A mm. lot of great hairdressers quit. While they loved it, they had to get real jobs, right? Jobs that paid vacation and benefits and 401ks and all uh, training. And so, you know, good hairdressers would be quitting. Her friends at work would be quitting. And so, you know, that's where we got the idea. Let's open a salon that offered something different to customers. We didn't want to be known as the best customer service hair salon. We wanted to be, you know, anywhere you went that day, paled in comparison, right? Kind of like, you know, when you take your kids to Disney, every business you visit after that is just disappointing because Disney just blew your mind in, in, in the way they take care of it. So take care of employees, and then give back to the community. And so my initial plan was if that took off, I could quit this golden handcuff job that I had at UPS and start my own business. Well, as luck, fate would have it, we almost went out of business the first four weeks. It was my wife and three of her closest friends from cosmetology school, you know, for several years earlier. And our business plan was really sophisticated back then. It was made up of three or four cocktail napkins that when we'd be out at a bar and talking about opening the salon, we'd say, oh yeah, write that down. And we literally, I, I have them framed, you know, treat customers really well and treat employees really well. But we, we were passionate about it. But the three others didn't want anything to do with that. So it was back to my wife. We we're open a month. I really thought we were going to go out of business, but that's where I jumped in at full time. Uh, a little bit more kicking and screaming because I didn't want to be in the industry initially. And uh, then between her artistic and my customer service, we just started blowing the doors off. And so we had a 900 square foot salon and and, and it knocked down the doors and, and expanded at 1,200 to 2,000. And then we vacated, built, you know, one of the largest in the countries. And then, you know, they have opened several more. So 27 years later, still have them. But it's not what I do. I, I you know, I, I don't have anything to do with the data. How many are there? How many? How many you still have? Four. Okay. So you still have these, and then at some point, you go, okay, I want to move, and I want to start teaching this. Did somebody ask you, or did you say, yeah. I, was it like a definitive, like I want to go teach customer experience? Oh, I wish I could say, you know, Rory, I had this plan, and just like going into the salon industry, kicking and screaming, I didn't want to at first. I was so glad I did because we saw the opportunity, you know, while there was a salon at every corner, none of them operated at a high level. Today is a different story, but back then, professionalism, all that, customer service. So, so we started growing really, really fast, making a lot of noise in Cleveland, and they're all in Cleveland, and in the salon industry. So now it's the mid-90s. We've opened up three, four years, 
And people in Cleveland in the salon industry would ask if I'd speak because they were like, you know, what are you guys doing here? You're growing really fast. Your reputation's excellent for customer service. So at first, you know, and probably like you, like a lot of people, uh, total accent. I was flattered that someone wanted to hear my story. When I did it locally, I was like, this is cool because now I could promote the salons to the local chamber of commerce or whoever at the time was asking me. And then what happened was we never thought it would materialize to anything. You know, two or three people, two or three people come up to me after speaking and say, you know, do you do this for companies? And I kind of like, uh, yeah. And like, what do you <laughs> charge? And I'm like, charge for what? Like, you know, I, I didn't know that there was, you know, you could do this. So, you know, on the fly, I'm like, $250. And they were shocked, but that, that's all. And I'm like, oh God, I should ask for more. But every time I spoke, two or three leads came from that. And so I was a salon owner that, that spoke a little bit. And then in 2002, I wrote my first book, Secret Service. So again, I know you, you went through this. When I started getting at bigger conventions, I was the uh, breakout speaker in the basement, the, yeah. the, you know, the map and a flashlight to find, and that's <laughs> where I belonged. But yeah, the world beaters, Michael Gerber, Tom Peters, Jim Gilmore on main stage. And I'd watch them. And I'd be like, holy cow. So I'd wait in line with all the 500 attendees. When I'd finally get up there, I'd say, hi, I'm John. I'm a speaker too. And, you know, and, and they were all so generous. And so slow down. And they gave me their number and, or, you know, they probably didn't even have email. But they said, you know, hey, I'd be happy to help you. And I couldn't believe how generous they were. So, you know, I reach out and they say, here's what you got to do. You know, you got to create a website. You got to get a demo. You got to write a book. So I listened to them. So my first book comes out, end of 2002, Secret Service. And overnight, basically that in the next 12 months, it took me from a salon owner that spoke to a speaker that owned salons. Hmm. And then since, you know, 2003, I haven't been active in the salons. And then, you know, the, salon, the speaking consulting business just exploded from that. So that's interesting. So you started as a speaker. Now today... Your primary business model, like if you have to go like, you've got customer service revolution, the conference, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you've got keynote fees, you've got book sales, you've got consulting, you've got other trainers. Where does most of the revenue come from today? Our revenue streams, number one, probably at 50, a little bit more than 50 is customer service consulting, you know, working with Starbucks and Lexus and Pricewaterhouse and, you know, all those great companies, the Chick-fil-A's of the world. And we have our consultants and that's just ongoing in there every month, every quarter. The second revenue stream is, you know, keynotes and I primarily do that, but that's where we get our leads from for our consulting and then the customer service revolution conference. And then we also have the customer experience executive Academy, which is something that people come to Cleveland for, for a whole year. They come four times a year and it's like a, a master's degree in customer experience. Interesting. So they come for four times a year. Like, like uh, how long do they come? Three days, January, April, July, October. So next week literally is 2020 class starts. So, it's sold out. And so now the, you know, if you want to take the next one, you have to wait till January, 2021, because you can't come midstream. We do have an online version, but the physical class, it's 20 to 25 of the top chief experience officers from all over, you know, they get wow. together and learn our methodology. 
Man, so that is awesome. So then how did, how did those develop from there? Like, so you started speaking and then speaking, did that just lead into consulting? Is that kind of like? Yeah. So first, you know, you kind of brought it up earlier. I live by this quote and I've heard it attributed to Jerry Garcia, but I'm, I'm not sure if he's the originator, but I love this quote. It's not enough to be considered the best at what you do. You want to be considered the only one that does what you do. So I love that. Yeah. And that's why we just go narrow and deep. And all we do is customer experience and we eat, sleep and drink. And if someone calls up for sales training or branding, you know, Rory Vaden, if someone calls us up for leadership, you know, the John Maxwell's of the world, we say no to more opportunities than we say yes to just because we just want to eat, sleep and drink one area and hopefully be the, the smartest person on the planet doing that. So I started speaking, stumbled into some right place, right time, like, you know, shared the stage with Tom Peters and that one speaking opportunity, like in 2004, I, you know, I count over a million dollars of gigs that have come from it directly or I still, wow. you know, how did that happen? Chick-fil-A was in the audience, Starbucks was in the audience, Hallmark Cards was in the audience. So it was a great audience, you know, a restaurant association was in the audience. And so I just got, they were all there to see Tom Peters. Thank God they didn't know who John DeJulius was, <laughs> but I got so many leads. And like years later, everyone I know has like kind of come through that. So what ended up happening is I started getting hired by really good companies. It was funny. Only great companies hired me. It was like the Ritz Carlton doesn't need me, the Chick Fil A doesn't need me, Starbucks doesn't need me. Uh, but those are the ones that are obsessed and they're constantly investing. So I was learning probably more than I was teaching, you know. I mean, I, but, but I got to go in there and see behind the scenes. And so what happened from 2003 to 2008 is working with all these world class brands. I saw that there was a methodology that they all kind of. Uh, aspired to. And when my second book, What's the Secret, came out, that was the whole methodology of that I discovered from studying and working with. There was 10 commandments of world-class customer experience, you know, the service vision statement, world-class internal culture, non-negotiable standards, all those things. And then when that came out, that catapulted us into a consulting company because now everyone wanted us to come in and train them on those 10 commandments, which can take five years if we go through everything uh -huh. right away. Yeah. So there's like, you created this body of work and then once people saw the body of work, they were like, we need help implementing right. it. Uh -huh. right. yeah. yeah. We say a lot of brand builders group that people don't pay for information. They pay for organization and application. And so it's like the information you put in the book, but what they really want is to come in and teach us, which is like, so still today, that is your number one revenue. Like that's your number one revenue stream. Yeah. I mean, you, you know what it was like when, when we were just keynote speakers, you get scared. Like, you know, it'd be maybe, you know, fall and you'd look at the next year and say, oh my God, I only have three keynotes booked. Oh my God, like we have to sell the house. We're going to have to you know, <laughs> give away our kids and stuff. And then they eventually, you know, all come, but keynotes are scary. And, and, and last minute we're consulting, you know, I already know, you know, cause they could be one year, two year, three year contracts. What we have, you know, if nothing else happens, we have these contracts signed. And so, you know, they have annuities that you, you can, you know, at least forecast and bank on and expand the corporate office without being worried that the phone won't ring tomorrow. 
So if somebody wanted to like go into the consulting space, because I feel like that's something you've done consistently for a lot of years for top brands, like you have penetrated a vertical. Do you, do you think is speaking the number one place that those leads really come from? Or is it more books or is there somewhere else? Like, do you think you could do it without one of those two? Or do you really got to have I both? I don't. I remember someone told me, and again, I'm sure you heard the same advice when I was speaking to those gurus on main stage trying to figure out if this was really a career I could go into. They told me, they said, listen, if me and you, Rory, spoke on the exact same topic, any topic, right? Diet, sales, yoga, meditation, doesn't matter. And Rory could be 10 times smarter at it, 10 times better of a presenter, have 10 times better material. If I'm the author, I will get more booked at a higher price. And someone else said this one time to me, and it's so true. In the speaking consulting industry, having the title after your name author is like having the credentials of MD. May not be fair, but mm-hmm. you know, it just puts you on a, uh, an unfair playing field advantage wise that, wow, this guy is, you know, or, or woman is, is an author. She's a subject matter expert. And it just makes the phone ring. So that and the speaking, you get right in front of the right audiences with entrepreneurs, executives, and all that. And like, you know, when you've spoken for me at my conference, you've, you know, all my best clients all used you because, and, and, and what's great, and I tell anybody, you never sold anything from state. You were just up there sharing great content. And like you said, they wanted you to come in and share it with their franchisees, their employees, and teach them how to implement and execute it because they knew they couldn't do it on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you were going to do it today, like if you had to start all over, I think you know, consulting is interesting because it provides this more steady stream of income. It's a good B2B model. I feel like you don't hear as much about consulting. Like a lot of our clients you know, you hear all the time about having a video course or a membership site or maybe a mastermind or doing your own public events. But that idea of getting companies who have budgets to for training and to do this kind of stuff, it's like there's big dollars to be made there. Companies always need training. If you were going to do it today from scratch, would you do it the same way? Or is there something that you think that you would go about it differently to like build your consulting business? I think the first place I'd start is writing. I tell every up and coming speaker, you got to write, you got to write consistently. And I hate, hated writing. I hate having to sit down. I do it every Sunday morning and carve out two hours for my weekly blog. But as you know, and, and people taught me, writing makes you a better speaker. Things that you know may take us three, four, five sentences to, to say, when you write it out, you say it in a sentence better than the four or five sentences. You're, so eventually when you go to speak it, you're saying it cleaner and crisper. It's forcing you to research because mm. you're not going to have enough in your head or enough experiences. So you got to see, you know, you got to be reading articles on your expertise and bringing them in and you're writing about them and justifying, you know, your philosophies by what's happening in the marketplace. Uh, all of a sudden, and then you start creating followers, people who like your topic and people start going to your website, you know, buying, downloading, inquiring about your speaking. And then lo and behold, after, you know, a year or two, you probably have a, the good foundation of a book. So while sometimes it's the least favorite of all the things I do, 
I think it's the most beneficial thing I do because it makes me a better speaker. It makes me more articulate. It forces me to constantly be researching to make sure I have the latest and greatest and I'm building up a following. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love one thing you said about, you know, you don't hear a lot about consulting. And I, I think, you know, there's a couple of reasons why I think, you know, a lot of people that may go into speaking want to, you know, love, you know, the one man show and consulting takes more than that. So I've always loved teams. I know you've always loved teams. You know, my hair salon has 135 employees, you know, layers of man. I like that. I've always liked to delegate and, you know, make it someone else's responsibility. And I enjoy that. And so the same thing, you know, the the Julius group has 15 employees and, and different. I like that. I like creating that. That's not for everyone. You gotta, you know, I mean, you know, it's hard to be a one man consulting firm um, to be doing it. I'm sure there are people out there, but if you, if you want to grow a consulting practice, you got to be good at growing people. Yeah. And, and going back to what you're saying about the book, I think people think of the reason you need to write a book is for credibility, but I don't think it's as obvious what you just said about it forces you to be a better communicator. And, and I honestly never even really, I think thought about that so clearly until you just said it. And somebody at our event last week, so we had a phase one event last week and this gentleman Wade's coming through the event and he said to me, and I just, it was this, it was a compliment that was so simple, but I loved it so much. He said, Rory, you are such an efficient communicator. And I was like, I love that compliment. And as you talk this out, John, I'm going, yeah, that happens from writing. Like it forces you to like, you know, concise, concise, and articulate. And, and, and you're right. I mean, there's not a waste, wasted word on stage, but that's because you've harnessed it, written about it, spoke on it. And every time, even someone that's done as many presentations as me and you, as soon as I get off, I'm going to go to that presentation and tweak it a little. There's a nuance that, you know, it might be that this slide should go before that slide mm-hmm. or, you know, after it, but there's also a nuance the way I said it, there's a better way to say it. Yeah, it's funny because that's speaking to that phase one event. You know, now now Brand Builders Group is like a whole new batch of content for us. We've got these nine different two-day experiences. And so the phase one is the one we've taught the most. We've probably done, I would say, eight of them. And even now I'm still like, right. oh, we gotta we gotta tweak that, we gotta tweak that, we gotta move, add it's that to the tight. PowerPoint. It's tight, right? It's it's good. And you know, there's pros and cons, right? We've been doing our our, our presentation for two, three years, we can, you know, do it in our sleep. We know it, it, it's good. But also, you know, with a new book coming out or that came out, that's exciting because now you have a whole new presentation, but you're kind of giving birth to it again because it's choppy at first. But yeah. the passion of, of a new material, like brand builders and, and the phases, that outweighs the lack of conciseness, but the more you do it, the cleaner it becomes and, the, and you're hitting it. Yeah, it's funny. And I remember this. Uh, I'm recalling right now that the first time I saw you speak was at your summit. I was there as one of the speakers. And I remember being blown away. Like when you talked, I was like, that was incredible. Like that was the best I've ever seen in customer service. And I told you that and you're like, oh, Rory, that's like my C minus material. Because these are like all your best clients. And I was like, wow. You know, and it's because you spent years like really, really diving deep in this space. I I think that's super powerful. And, And I don't necessarily think people equate the importance 
of the book to a consulting practice and, and the book to not just credibility, but forcing you to codify your own ideas and thoughts that makes you a better communicator, period. Right. And listen, you know, no one probably uh, has or should be writing a book of just information out of their head. So they got to do a lot of research and thank God we have the internet today and work with our clients. But that's where you're compiling all this, which is making you smarter, which is, you know, adding your credibility. But it also sometimes will make you wrong and be like, oh, you know, my premise here is not right. And, and that's more powerful than the stuff you're right on. And that's what makes you an expert. And there's two schools of thought and neither one is, is wrong. But like, you know, when I was in uh, growing up, you know, in the fall, my, my, my friends uh, who were decent athletes, they'd play football. In the winter, they'd play basketball or, or, or wrestle. And in the spring, they'd play baseball. Well, me, I, in the fall, I had to practice baseball. And in the winter, I had to practice baseball in order for me to make the baseball team in the spring, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so I, I couldn't be, and it's, it's the same thing with this. If I said, you know, someone call up and say, can you do a social media presentation? Yeah. And then hang up and then try to put it together from material. I don't want to, I, I want to eat, sleep and drink my material, you know, one trick pony and be as deep and have the confidence that my clients can't find someone that's smarter than me, you know? And, and, and I also think it hurts my credibility if they are seeing that John's writing about or talking about other topics. Not saying it's not, it works for other people. It's just not my, not my DNA to be wide. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to ask you one last question about that in terms of like being the only choice. So before we do that, you know, if anybody is listening that wants to kind of connect with you or, you know, see what you're up to, where should they go to, to find you and hook up? Yeah, vdjuliusgroup.com, V-D-I-J-U-L-I-U-S group.com. And you can always get a hold of me at john at com. Yeah. So the last little thing I wanted to, to have you talk about is one of my favorite quotes from you. It's like being so good that, you know, make, make the price irrelevant. Making price irrelevant. Making price irrelevant. Can you talk about what that quote means yeah. and how do you think that applies to personal brands and like speakers, consultants, because you've kind of been touching on it. Yeah. I mean, that's what we say our value proposition is. If companies hire us, we're going to make them so good that price becomes irrelevant. Now, what that doesn't mean is you can double your fees or even raise them 25% and not lose existing or potential customers. What it does mean is based on the experience, you, your brand gives your customers at every touch point, they have no idea what your competition charges. Mm. So, we're all price sensitive. And I, I've been the idiot that's driven three extra miles to say 50 cents on something, not realizing I just lost in that exchange. But every one of us has a business to a, a vendor, or a hairdresser, or a handyman that we are so loyal to because the trust they've built up, because of, you know, the, the emotional equity they, they've created that, you know, I'm a, you know mine is, is my handyman. His name's Hoop. Ryan Hooper. So if we were neighbors and you're like, oh, I got to get my basement finished or plumbing or something, I got, you got to use hoop. And, you know, I was like, well, what's a hoop? Oh, Brian Hooper is the greatest guy. I've used him for over 30 years. He doesn't work for me. He's his own carpenter, 
but this guy is amazing and he just you know it just does the work and it's clean it's better he, he, he comes when he says if you need him today he'll be there today if he has to get a third party you know that's outside of his expertise that person will be great and he'll He'll stand back. He won't say, oh, well, you got to call that electrician. You know, that wasn't me. No, you know, Brian will take care of it. But whenever I recommend him, people will say, okay, well, how much does he charge? Because my handyman charges $110 an hour. And that's where I'm embarrassed to say, you know, Ray, I have no idea. I don't know if he charges $90 or $150, but I don't care. I can go call my assistant and have her pull up the last invoice, but I don't care what he is. He saves me money. Peace of mind, done well. I would never outprice shop him because he's that good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. So it's not just like this unlimited license to raise your fee, no, but it's it's no. it's it's saying you're so good that they're not price shopping you. You're not going right. to lose because of price. It's just like whatever it is, it's worth it. That is super powerful, and I think you know that's probably just a, a reality of the world today because of social media and the internet. It's like. There's a lot of people who talk about customer experience and personal branding and discipline and leadership and all these different things. But it's like, are you creating a bond and that relationship and that trust so that people go, I don't care, John is my guy. He's been proven so consistent for so long, so quality that it's like, get me John to Julius. It's not go shop and, f- and get me three bids. They're saying, right. get me right. John DeJulius, get me his team. So I love that, man. You've done a great job of that. You certainly are you know, that person for, for me and for any companies that we ever work with that where that question will come up. And I appreciate you sharing your story and we just wish you all the best, my friend. Thank you. And you know, listen, it, it, it's a great journey. I can't believe the career I have. I I get paid to do what I love. It's crazy. So, you know, anyone thinking about it, anyone, you know, going after it, they're in the right hands with you. And Rory, it's, it's, it's humbling. I've learned so much from you and, and you're a good 20 plus years younger than me. But man, you know, where you were at before you were even 30 was like, you know, way, way before most people do it in, in a career in this industry. So thank you. Thanks, brother. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free lifetime access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we will get you set up with free lifetime access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation.